how do you get people to read what you write, to pay attention to your marketing, your content, whatever you're putting out there in the world? Today is Mailbox Monday, which is the day every week where I dedicate my episode to your questions. And the question that I got today was, I suppose my biggest question is, how on earth do you manage to convince people to read your writing in a world that has an ever decreasing attention span from B? And this is, you know, obviously especially important for copywriters and marketers, people who make their living by creating content that people have to engage with and then act on in order for that person, that copywriter, that marketer, that entrepreneur to be successful. So if you have a question like this that you'd like to have answered, check the link in the description to ask Roy your question. That's at BreakthroughMarketingSecrets.com slash ask. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you get more content like this delivered to you. These are the proven direct response marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Furr, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. All right, today's episode is sponsored by me, of course. The first link in the description that you'll find is to high-velocity copywriting. High-velocity copywriting. This is like my flagship copywriting course that's all about how to create persuasive messages that capture attention and take people all the way through up to the point where they're taking action, where they're you know, signing up, where they are giving you money, where they're you know raising their hand and saying, hey, I'm a lead, I'm a prospect for your service. This is about creating those entire copywriting messages. And by the way, it's relevant if your copy never actually gets written down, if you just need to structure messages for something like a webinar or a sales presentation. Still the same fundamental rules apply. It is persuasion regardless of the medium in which it happens and high velocity copywriting will help you be better at it. Check the first link in the description to go to that. All right. So the very first sale you have to make, which is why this, why I chose this question, I, I get lots of good questions. Uh, sometimes I get bad questions. I get lots of bad questions too. Uh, but I like this question. I chose this question because the very first sale you have to make, if you're in copywriting, in marketing, in sales, the very first sale you have to make is the attention sale. That is, pay attention to me. It's worth paying attention to me. Because without that, nothing else matters. If they're not paying attention to you, it doesn't matter how good the rest of your pitch is. It doesn't matter how great your offer is. It doesn't matter anything. The very first sale you have to make is the attention sale. And without that, you're not going to make any other sale. You're not going to get the lead. You're not going to get the customer. You're not going to get the sales. You're not going to get the profits. So make the attention sale. So uh, that brings us to what do people pay attention to? Uh, number one, the number one thing that people pay attention to, that you pay attention to, that I pay attention to, that our prospects pay attention to, that our clients pay attention to, that our bosses, that our customers pay attention the number one thing that people pay attention to is themselves. We all want to know what's in it for me. And Last week, I remembered in the middle of a conversation, I, I don't remember the, the, the context, but in the middle of the conversation, I remembered this Gary Halbert illustration that he did. And then he was great for all these little illustrations. He said, I get asked often if people read a lot of copy, right? And how do you actually get people to read a lot of copy? And Gary said, I could get you to read 100 pages. I could get you to read 100 pages tomorrow. 
I could get you to read 100 pages today. All that I have to do is I will, I'll bind it up like a book. And on the cover, it will say, and we'll pretend that Gary is our prospect here, right? It'll say, the lurid and scandalous details of the sex life of Gary Halbert. Or maybe even better, the lurid and scandalous details of the secret sex life of Gary Halbert. Right? And, and as long as those details inside that book reflect something that the prospect recognizes as true, then they're going to read every page of it. And the point being, yes, that is something that a lot of people spend a lot of time thinking about throughout their life. And that is a topic that is of intimate interest to them. And yes, not all of us are writing about our prospect's sex life. That's not the point here. The point is, by making it so intimately about them, you pretty much guarantee attention. So the question is, how can I make my message intimately about them, about what they want, about what they are interested in, about what's compelling to them, about what naturally attracts their attention, not what I want to like force into their awareness, right? But what is naturally attractive to their attention already. And that's going to take research. It's going to take you figuring out who you're selling to, focusing on a, on a market that you understand, that you know, and it's going to take speaking to those things that you have found out are interesting to them. People also pay attention to people like them. So people with a similar background or history, right? Somebody, somebody who comes from the same culture, somebody who comes from the same uh, neighborhood, somebody who comes. It's why when we have conversations with people, we're like, oh, where are you from? Where are you from? Oh, wow, we're from like, oh, we grew up two miles away from each other. That's interesting, right? People pay attention to people like them, you know, traveling around the world and you find somebody from the same state or from the same city or same country as, as you in a foreign place, suddenly you're paying a lot of attention to them. Any kind of shared interest can, can, uh, can have the exact same uh, pull, that exact same attraction of interest. So if, if, somebody, if somebody shares, okay, so uh, I... Uh, my son is actually getting into hockey for the first time this year, and um, we're at the ice rink a lot now. And so if suddenly we were to start talking about hockey, like I grew up playing hockey, and if we were to talk about skating and we were to talk about anything related to hockey, and that's something that both of us are interested in, or you talk to me about hockey, cool. Like, or... ADHD, that's another thing. Like I've had a whole bunch of people say, Roy, like your marketing content is great, but I'm really connected with you because you admit to having struggles with ADHD, right? Or any other connections, right? That we're looking for people who are like us and finding ways such that we are similar, finding ways that we're similar, uh, it, it attracts our attention. Similarly, people going through the same experience attract our attention. And so this is why. Uh, like my Paisa formula, the ultimate selling story is so powerful because if you tell it from the perspective of yourself, if you went through the same problem or from a prospect who went through the same problem and you explain like, oh, here's the problem, here's the agitation, suddenly your prospect is paying attention because, oh, I'm dealing with that problem right now and I'm having those same agitations. And so I'm interested in what happened next for this person. 
what what other what solutions did they look at what what did they find to work and not work between those solutions okay what ideal solution did they land on what action did they take right problem agitate invalidate solve action or ask right it's 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 the it's the, the it's the process that anybody that deals with a problem and finds the solution has to go through. And so to notice that someone else is going through that same experience draws our attention. People also pay attention. This is like part of, of you know, themselves still. People pay attention to people who they want to be like. So celebrities definitely fall under this. Uh, you know, if there's a celebrity that you want to be like, even if you don't ever think it could happen, you may pay extra attention to that celebrity. Maybe there's a, a charisma, maybe there's a charm, maybe there's an appearance, maybe there's who knows what quality it is in that celebrity that you want to be like, but you pay attention because, because you want to be like them. Success stories. People pay attention to, to people who've already had the success that they want to have. Other admirable qualities. So it could, maybe it's not, you know, material wealth. Maybe it's something that's like, oh, this person's a great family person. This great person's a great uh, role model of being a great leader in their in their community or whatever it is. People pay attention to people who they want to be like. And generally people pay attention to, um, to people with whom they have a relationship. And so it could be friends, could be family. Also, also, relationship does not necessarily imply positive. It could imply negative. So enemies, the more um, valence there is to that feeling of either positivity or negativity, the more it's going to attract. So if somebody's talking about your worst enemy, you're going to pay attention, right? And worst enemy could be somebody on a, on like a national level, international level. It could be somebody out there. It could be somebody in the marketplace, in the industry that you're in. Whatever that enemy is, whoever they are that's defined, if they're paid attention, if 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 you talk about them and the person who you are speaking to, who you are writing to, believes that person is an enemy, that person is going to pay attention. <laughs> and uh, wow, I mean, we're we're going through a lot of content here, but I hope you find this useful. What else do people pay attention to? One big thing that people pay attention to today, and with a, with a nod to the question where it said, in a world that has ever decreasing attention span, people pay attention to distraction. People, that's funny. You think a distraction is something that, uh, you know, causes you to lose attention, lose focus, but people choose focus on distractions. People choose focus on things that pull their attention away from other things that might make them uncomfortable. People, people will pay attention to really anything that's attention getting that offers some kind of mindless stimulation because so many of us have this, this, um, this simmering, simmering pot of negative emotions inside of us somewhere that we don't wanna deal with, right? And it could be loneliness, it could be self-doubt, it could be shame, it could be, um, just feeling like you're not good enough in some way. It could be, who knows, right? But whenever you're dealing with all those negative emotions, and so many of us have them at least existing in some context of our lives that could be triggered by who knows what, we want to not have to deal with those negative emotions. And so anything that pulls our attention away, we'll pay attention to it. 
People pay attention to bad news. People pay attention to news in general, anything that's new and has novelty. But people also pay attention, especially to bad news. And for whatever reason, that bad news holds our attention easier, maybe because we feel like somebody else is going through something worse than us. And so we can feel a little bit better about ourselves. So, uh, you know, the, the, the classic physical in-person manifestation of this bad news is you see a car accident and you can't help but pay attention as you go by. And in fact, I ended up getting in a car accident when I was young because I was paying attention to another car accident, which is, whoops. Um, but the, the, the bad news, anything that, that causes us to kind of rubberneck, right? Anything that causes us to, oh my God, I can't believe that's going on. That holds our attention. People are paying attention to that all day, every long. People pay attention to anything that entertains them. Some kind of compelling story, some humor, some kind of um, unexpected event. Oftentimes, entertainment, part of what makes entertainment so compelling is the twists, the turns. So it could be somebody who's really good at humor that does a turn. It could be some somebody that's really good at some kind of story that implies some kind of suspense and resolution by by the turn of action that goes on. But people pay attention to entertainment. People pay attention to controversy. I feel like I've kind of tapped on this or, or touched on this quite a bit already, but people pay attention to fights, to audaciousness, to somebody that's brash and willing to say what nobody else is going to say. You know, whether that person is right or wrong, it often doesn't matter. People pay attention to them. People pay attention to the people that are picking fights. People, yeah, I mean, that stuff... So with all these things that people pay attention to, as a good copywriter, as a good marketer, as a good entrepreneur who's defining your marketing messages, you benefit from studying what gets attention, right? In copywriting and marketing, we call this hooks, right? And there can be generic hooks and there can be relevant hooks. So a generic hook is something that is completely... It, it's not specific to your market, to your product, to your service, to your message, to whatever. It's just this generic hook out in the world. And so you may see, I don't know, you could, you, could, you could go on Pinterest or you could go on TikTok or you could go on Facebook and see, as I'm scrolling, what generic thing can hook my attention? So it could be some like paint being drizzled on a canvas or it could be somebody flipping through a book or it could be... Um, it could be, who knows, right? It could be some prank that is, is shown. It could be whatever, right? The point is that there are things that capture your attention all day long, even for just a moment, right? That are not relevant to your product or service, but it's still worth knowing. You can study them. You can see, like, why does this have a million views? Why does this have 5, 10 million views? What is it that gets people's attention about this? And then relevant hooks is anything in your marketplace that gets attention like that. And that is typically more, typically the, 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 the volume of views, unless you're in some mass market, typically the volume of views is not nearly as big, but it could be something that's hyper relevant to what's going on in your market, the messages that are relevant to your prospects, your audience right now. And because of the focus and the targetedness, the targeted nature of those hooks, it could be even more valuable to you to find those hooks. And so pay attention to what gets your attention in your market, out of your market, pay attention just in general to what you focus on, whether you want to or not. 
You can also look at social media stats as a, as a confirmation of this is getting a lot of attention, this is getting not a lot of attention. On Reddit, I'm kind of fascinated with, you can select, oh, I just want to know what's popular across all of Reddit. And so you can look at what has high views, reads, likes, interactions, comments, like any kind. And you can do this on most social media platforms. You can see what is the most popular. And that's going to tell you what, what's getting people's attention today, right now, including everything from news stories to something that's completely irrelevant to the news that just happens to be rising up in the algorithms right now. And in the context of marketing, you can pay attention to what appears often. What message are you getting over and over again, right? Um, especially like, especially if somebody is paying to put that message in front of you to see, oh, that ad has been all over the place for the last two, three weeks, two, three months, right? In the context of today's like uh, super scalable world where you can have your entire market saturated with a message in days through paid media, the, the longevity of messages is not quite the same. Like in direct mail, you could see direct mail pieces that are mailing for months and years on end. And that tells you something. And that's something that appears often. Today, it's, you know, something lasts for three weeks. It's practically like entered the zeitgeist because it's so, so uh, popular, right? But it also fatigues much quicker. But it's still worth paying attention to, right? So in the context of this, we talked about lots of things that people pay attention to. We talked about studying attention, right? Studying what gets your attention, studying what seems to get other people's attention. The question then becomes, how do you ethically, I'll say ethically here, capture and hold attention? Um, because part of me kind of believes that uh, scientific, we'll call it scientific advertising, um, this whole idea of just measuring everything and seeing what gets the most response. Part of me believes that scientific advertising is destroying the world because more clicks is not always better. Just serving the lowest common denominator, denate, how do you even say that word? <laughs> Just serving the lowest common denominator is tearing the world apart in many, many ways. Um, and so just because something gets the most clicks, yes, maybe that can serve your immediate interest, but it may not be the best thing in the world. I tend to want to lean on what gets the most clicks and creates a better future for, you know, the individual, for, for, for them, for me, for the entire audience, for, uh, for society, for the world, right? Um, and so, so, yes, pay attention to what gets the most clicks and what gets the most attention. But also remember that uh, to some degree, it's our duty as humans to steward this world into the future. Um, and I would discourage you from just, just abusing this whole idea of I can get the most clicks. Um, so in that context, become a student of hooks, become a student of, of what you can use, whatever you can use to get attention, right? And so some of this might be, what can you use directly? What can you use directly without it being a clear ripoff? And so, um, I think it was Russell Brunson talked about finding, finding a video where somebody was doing pancake art. And they actually hired the person who did pancake art to do the cover of his book, maybe I think it was, to do the cover of his book in pancake art because it was just this fascinating visual. But then suddenly you see the, the book appear in front of you, right? And the guy flips it over and, oh my goodness, it's the cover of the book, right? Um, so 
What could you use directly, the idea of pancake art, without it being a clear ripoff? In fact, if you hire the person that did the first video, uh, it's, it's far less of a ripoff. Um, or what can you model in your own unique way? So what ideas can you capture where you understand the principles and strategies being used, but that the tactical implementation is going to feel a little bit different because it's you doing it in your unique way? Or what can you just learn from, right? What can you just learn from about um, how, like, oh, that's a really compelling story. What aspects of that story made it compelling to me and how might I be able to use those aspects in telling a completely different story? And this reminds me of a conversation that I had with Bill Bonner, who may be one of the world's first billionaire copywriters. And uh, he said that he basically learned and forgotten thousands upon thousands of little copywriting rules. And he said, now at this point, when he goes to write, um, all that he does is he sits down and he says, um, he, he puts on the prospect's hat, you know, metaphorically, right? Puts on the prospect's hat and he says, what story is interesting to me from this perspective? What story is compelling to me from this person's perspective, right? If, I, if I'm in the mind of who my prospect is, and again, this requires so much understanding of who you're speaking to, what story is most compelling to me? And that does require some empathy. It requires some connection. It requires this understanding of your reader. But then when you, and this is what, how Bill taught it, how Bill said, when you understand what the story is that is most compelling to your prospect, then you take off the prospect hat and you put on your copywriter hat. And you tell that story, speaking to the prospect, you tell that story in a clear and compelling way with a relevant call to action, right? And so you're going to have to tell that in a way that grabs their attention, right? Probably using a relevant hook, perhaps using the more generic hook if you're able to loop it over to your message uh, in a very quick way. So you grab their attention, you compel their interest in you, in your story, and what it is that you're saying in your message, right? So you grab their attention and then you have to link it through to here is why this is interesting and relevant and, and, and here is what is so compelling about this message, not generally, vaguely to people in general, but to you as a human being who I understand has these interests, has these emotions, has this, this, this desire, right? So, so you capture their attention, you gain interest in your message and you as the speaker, you cultivate desire for a particular solution to a problem or a particular uh, method of getting whatever outcome they desire, right? Um, you, you, you cultivate that desire and you link it through to your product, your service, and you ask them to take action. That's attention, interest, desire, action. And that's actually how I structured the high velocity copywriting. Even though I get into things like big ideas and copy structure and all of that, and I actually don't think attention, interest, desire, action is that great of an outline for copy on its own. It's still the things that you're accomplishing as you're doing this. You're speaking to them in a way where you grab their attention, you build their interest, you get them desirous of your product, your service, your solution, whatever it is, and you get them to take action. And if you do want to go deeper, check out that link to High Velocity Copywriting. It's the first link in the description. There's also a link where you can ask me your question. And don't forget to like and subscribe so you can get more content like this. I'm Roy Fur. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets, and I'll see you again in the next episode. 
Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.